I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Oz Pieces Live from our Barangaroo Studios. It's just kicked over midday Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time. Uh, you tuned in for the call. Ten stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. It's a lot of fun. Panel today, Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Howard, how are you? Good, Welcome thanks. Back. Good Happy to be New with year. you again, David. Yeah, and Grady Wolf from Bell Direct. Hello. Grady, back from the Big Apple. Oh, over. How was it? Oh, it was unreal. It was so good. Got snow, didn't get snowed in, right. had a tornado warning as we approached Orlando. So the bumpiest flight oh, I've ever wow. been on, but Did you incredible. get to Wall Street? I did. I went down to Wall I Street and I also saw the NASDAQ. So tick, oh, tick, there you go. ticked well off everything done. for work, which was great. It's <laughs> a buzz, isn't it? It's unreal, yeah. yeah and just fantastic. living and breathing it, it's so different to how we operate in Australia. Yeah. So, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's uh, run through what we're going to cover in the first half hour. Reese, uh, Blue Scope Steel, Platinum Asset Management. All right. Jerawa Investments, is that? Uh, Jerawa uh, yeah, Investments uh, and Somerset. Uh, stock of the day, though, one I picked that's in the news, I thought Ampol would be a good one to uh, talk about. It set its sights on record annual earnings, citing improved performance of its non-refining divisions. Um, this, as it reports, a 10.5% drop in margins at the uh, Lytham refinery in the fourth quarter uh, on the higher crude premiums and supply disruptions uh, due to the geopolitical tensions. Country's top fuel retailer recorded refinery margin of $10.52 a barrel, down from eleven seventy six a barrel a year ago. And, uh, of course, it's our, our biggest retail um, petrol distributor, but also what makes it unique is the refinery as well, which it gets a fair bit of government assistance for because it's a strategic asset. Uh, Howard, what do you think of Ampol's update? Um, yeah, as I a stock? The, up- the update was good, but I mean, it's, it's hard to get enthusiastic about this company because it'll have one good year and then a bad year and then a good year and then a bad year. Yeah. And it's totally unpredictable, largely dependent on what's happening in the world oil market. And that's impossible to predict. Um, and of course, uh, the refining business only survives because it gets government assistance. It yep. wouldn't be a good business without that. So, uh, you know, uh, its its earnings have grown at 1.8% a year over the last several years on average, if you look at the compound annual growth rate. And that's slightly less than inflation. So uh, certainly not going to be a wealth winner, but nor for that matter is the capital killer. So the time to buy these kind of stocks when uh, yeah, they bounce around like that is only when the, they're really cheap. Yeah. And it's certainly not very cheap at the moment. I che- mean, it's, yeah, look at that five-year chart. Quite. It's just coming off a five-year high. Absolutely. Wait, uh, for, for, for those financials that you just listed, Absolutely. you wonder why, why would it be there? Quite. You know, if you want to buy this, you want to buy it when it's just had blood in the streets kind of thing. <laughs> you know, one of those uh, on the graph there, one of those times when it's really you low. Know, 25, yeah. 27 dollars. You're never yeah. going to pick it exactly. But, you know, if it got to somewhere in the mid-20s, you right. start saying, OK, I could at least trade the stock and then I'll sell it again one day in the yeah. mid-30s. Yeah. But you wouldn't be buying it from a point right. of view of wealth for now. If you were in it... Would you keep holding it? Well, I definitely wouldn't be in it. Right. I don't think any team <laughs> best members would. But uh, no, not at those prices. Because right. I'd look at it and say, it's near its high PE, it's near its high price. Uh, so if you were in it, you'd say, sell it. Yeah. Buy it You've back had a again. good run. At some stage in the next couple of years, you'd probably buy it back at 27 or something. Right. You've got rid of it at 35. Yep. Grady? I agree, actually. It's sitting at five-year high right now. 
um, you're paying a PE of what, 66 times. And so it is expensive and earnings is slowing as we know in the oil front. Um, but the interesting thing is that they're making a lot of their revenue from their foodery business. So um, the high margins uh-huh. they make on the food and the convenience. So, so the convenience store of convenience the petrol store station. Convenience store of the petrol station. Right. So yeah. looking at the, um, the announcement out today, they said a lot of their, um, they're expecting record, um, record sales from the retail business. So if you think about it, if you feel like a Magnum, you can get a Magnum for, I think it's $8 now at the foodery, which is just insane. But when you want a Magnum, you want a Magnum. So <laughs> honestly, I I think I'm close. When I went the other day, I looked and right. I was like, this yeah. is insa- this hey. is inflation times a million. Uh, here's, here's a thought. As they're more electric vehicles, will you drive yeah. into a petrol station to buy a Magnum for $8? Uh, no, I'll be going to Woolworths exactly. for two packs of Magnums exactly. for $8. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But the thing is, is that their diversification out of just solely petrol is really smart because as we know the EV movement is ramping up. We've got um, a lot more cars on the road are EV now. We're expecting sales uh, to be through the roof for EVs over the next years. Uh, Companies and countries are phasing out petrol cars. So this company is on, it's got a lot of headwinds coming its way in that front. So the diversification strategy now is really smart. So I would take profit right now because it's sitting at a really good level, um, a high PE. So you do sell as well? I do sell. Would you sell all of it or just take I'd profits probably, off the top? I'd probably take the profits off the top. Right. Yeah. Okay. So keep your initial. So taking take profits your... is sort of 30%. Is, yeah, it, is that what depends. you use as a rule? Of I use, fun? my rule is I take out my invest my initial investment and leave the profits to run. It's right. what you yeah. it's what you do when you can't quite make up your mind. Right. That's what I did the other day. I well, sold some of my investments, Niren sold my initial deposit and now it's just running on profits. Yeah yeah. Because that's been which, on a serious run. Right. Uh, which one was that? Niren. Niren. I oh, bought yes. in at thirteen, now it's twenty three and I was like, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose how would you like a um, when you don't know what to do, uh, you tell your profits. But mm. you know, when you sell a stock, in the back of your mind is, oh, what if it keeps going higher? Of course, absolutely. Um, you know, fear of missing out and fear of losing out yes. are, are two enormous motivations. Um, but the, what you've really got to accept in the end is you really only want to hold about twenty, maybe twenty-five yeah. companies in your portfolio. Mm-hmm. And you, you're aiming to have the very, very best ones you can. It's yeah. a bit like I always, you know, and it relates to the sort of thing you do as well. Yeah. I think about an AFL team. You're trying to identify the best possible players that you can manage yeah. to have on your list within your budget that you can afford and cap that you've got to spend and the draft picks that you've got. You don't say, oh, well, I'll keep well, a few others just no, no, in no, case. No, 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 because when you trade a player somewhere else, you hate it when they play well. Yeah. You, oh, of should course. I have kept them? Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a, absolutely. Thing. And this is the psychological problem yeah. we've always got to get over with all choices we oh, make in life. So I have, I have in my little self-managed uh, super fun, uh, I have a watch list of all the stocks that I have on it. When I sell a stock, it goes off the list. <laughs> so you don't want to know. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to know what it does, <laughs> does in the future because I find it emotionally absolutely stressed. It is. I honestly get stressed about these things now. Other, oh, yeah. other so things I just don't follow life them, issues used to stress me out. Now <laughs> I get stressed about my watch list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but often I get reminded here on the call, I go, Oh, gee, I did sell right a year ago. <laughs> but anyhow, well, well, we always say that we're aiming to get 85% of our decisions right. Right. Now, 85? Yeah. Now, that's a hell of a lot better than flipping a coin. Yeah, yeah. And we can do that because of the software we've got in our whole methodology. Yeah. But even with 85, it means one in seven of the decisions you make, you're going to regret five years later. Yeah. So accept it. That's yeah. the way it works, yeah. you know. Uh, but if, if you're getting six out of seven of them right and one out of seven of them wrong, you do exceptionally well uh, with your portfolio. Yep. Your returns are superb. I'll yep. take decisions like my neuron decision any day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which uh, it's like buying a house that's gone up. Yeah. You only talk about those yeah. to your friends. You don't talk about the ones that have gone down. I won't talk like, about no. my lithium exposure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on the stock. She wants us to have a look at and uh, um, Grady Alley wants a view on Reese, the yeah. uh, plumbing bathroom 
uh, air conditioning uh, group. We had Reliance on the call yesterday, so similar sort of company. Uh, what do you think of Reese? Reese is a good company, but it's been on a run and a lot of the price that it is at at the moment. So it's been up 37% over the last year to $21.70. It's been on a run. But understanding that it's US rollout strategy, a lot of that is factored into the price right now and it hasn't really taken off as a lot of people are expecting. So it's plumbing. It's obviously the um, plumbing services and products for the US market, but it's a really risky strategy because there's a it's a highly saturated market in the US. There's a lot of plumbers, a lot of big ticket players there. So cracking the US, the world's biggest economy, is a massive market. We've got a housing problem in Australia. We've got a housing problem around the world. Not many people are building right now because the cost of building is so high. So these are obviously some headwinds that the company has to face. Um, so at this level, I actually have a sell on the company simply because it's been on a run um, and the we're seeing sales slow. So sales is retreating from a 9% growth in the first half of last year to just 3% growth in the first half of this year. So it's headwinds ahead. It's a good level right now. I'd take some profit. Mm, interesting. David Lane and uh, uh, Michael Wayne, uh, when, they were, when they were looking at Reliance yesterday, both yeah. sell, take profits. 100%. For, exa- for exact same reason. Exactly. Right now, I just... Can't see yeah, I mean, buy. terrific company, and the Wilsons have been running it for the best interests of shareholders simply because they're the biggest shareholders by yep. a long, long way. So you go along for the ride, you're not going to get much say in the company. It's run by the Wilsons, mm-hmm. but they had had the beautiful advantage they don't have to have a board full of independent directors who don't understand the business yep. because they control it. So, terrific company. Howard, <laughs> that's not great, a great governance question, though. Absolutely. You should have independent directors on Only there. Only for no something. For non, yeah, well, no, but for non-bias. Yeah, yeah, wanna... yeah, for the other shareholders representing their interests. Yeah, I want a dictator. Well, if, if, if you've got the main shareholders who are going to lose the most money if they make stupid decisions on the board, what uh, better could you have? I mean, the whole concept of directors <laughs> going back in time okay. came from they were chosen among the biggest shareholders. Yeah. And mm. then we got this dippy idea that independence meant you couldn't be on the board for very long, you couldn't come from a competitor, you couldn't have been a person who was previously employed in this company, you couldn't come from a supplier, you couldn't come from a customer. In other words, you know nothing. Now you sit in a board, so if the CEO is dishonest, I mean, obviously most aren't, but if the CEO (laughs) is dishonest, what a beautiful board to have. You can pull out the wool over the eyes with absolute ease because they don't know anything okay. about the industry. Right. There is an argument against that, but it well, is all a research, good independent director. All the research that University of New South Wales has done on this says that boards with a higher proportion of independent directors do worse than the boards with a lower proportion of independent directors. Is that right? So, absolutely. Um, I, I, think of his name, I think <laughs> of his name in a minute, the professor there, who's okay. Peter Swan. You Peter should Swan. get him in okay, here on Osbers. Yes. Invite him in one day, mention my name, he'll come and give you a talk on it. Right. Anyway, back to Reliance. <laughs> I will. That's a good it's, idea. Peter no, Swan from... A double N at the end, I think. Right. <laughs> University of New South Wales. Done. That's it. Yeah. Anyway, um, it, it's on a PE of about 34 at the moment. Now, if you look through its 10 years' worth of history, it's only a couple of years reached PEs that high, and it's varied between PEs of about 10 and about uh, 35. So you can buy this company in any year at a PE of 25 or less. There hasn't been right. one year in 10 years that you couldn't buy it on a PE of 25 or less. So at 35, take your money, buy it back when it's a 25 right. or so. you've got to sell as well. Okay. Yeah. But it's a very good company. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, you make the point, and a lot of the analysts on the call constantly make the point, when you sell a stock, doesn't mean you hate it. It's no. just that it's it's reached the peak of its value, and if it's a really well-run stock with a great uh, management team, great business, um, you just buy back in at a lower level. Doesn't mean you divorce it completely for the rest of your life. I yeah. actually, I actually agree, but with the only one that I would say does that doesn't apply to is healthcare in recent times. Because the sky is really the limit for some of them with a growing addressable market. So if you're going to sell, 
then it could just keep running and running and running. Well, so no, no, you you got urine in the back of your mind. Yeah. Look, look, how, look, how look would Ramsey Healthcare. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ramsey, that, Ramsey got up to about $90 a share or something, yeah. turned down an offer of 85 or, yeah. or, or so, loaded itself up with enormous amounts of debt to buy other healthcare businesses or other hospitals around mm-hmm. the world. And um, your returns for the last five years on Ramsey have been largely negative. But that's the growing addressable market for that is is capped. What I'm saying is like the the producers of drugs in the world yeah. that have a growing. So how, how would how would would point? I'm taking words out of your mouth because <laughs> you you talked about it so often on the call that it sticks in my mind. <laughs> CSL, CSL 100%. always yeah. every year. Mm-hmm. You've told me. We'll always get down to two thirty, two fifty something. That's the time to buy yeah. and ride it up to uh, to three hundred. And absolutely, it, it yeah. did you know, it again a couple of weeks ago. We've got to accept though that just because an addressable market is large doesn't mean management is competent to make any profits out of it. it yeah, so profitability. Much more important than the yeah. size of the addressable market is who are the people running the business. Yeah, yeah. You know, and decision uh, makers, cost absolutely. management, all of that. Exactly. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go from um, healthcare. Well, we did plumbing and healthcare then, which uh, (laughs) it's a a bit of a wild and woolly call today, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, uh, Jordan wants to view how it on Blue Scope Steel, the uh, steel manufacturer, uh, spun out of BHP at the start of the century, 2002. Uh, Colour Bond is its biggest brand that we all know about. Yeah, got great brands, but... If you were going to be looking at a, an, a steel industry business, would you think a country that has high wages like we do because it's a wealthy economy is going to be a great place to be making steel? And the answer is no. There are plenty of places in the world that can make steel for far less money than we can. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not one of the areas that Australia has a competitive advantage. And nor, by the way, am I suggesting we should, because the only way we could have a competitive advantage in manufacturing, despite the silly things cabinet ministers sometimes say, is the only way we could is to have very low wages. Who the hell wants a oh, country no, no, with, with no, low wages? No, 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 or be in high-end manufacturing. Oh, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yeah. like you, you could say Ordnate yeah, is yeah. a great manufacturing yeah. business. Yeah. If you're going to it's corner to market. Sure, if you're going to be in something that is hugely specialised, yes. that's fine. But steel isn't. Yeah. So there are going to be plenty of places in the world always that can make it cheaper than Blue Scope. And if you look at their, um, their figures, you know, they have the odd good year here and then, and then they have bad years in between. Um, at the moment, they've been growing, looks good, but has, is it going to be a wealth win over the next five to 10 years? Hardly likely. Had a good run though, a bit, like, mm. a bit like Reese yep. has had a good run yep. up. You're, you're saying take advantage of that if you're if, in if it? If you own it, sell. yes. Uh, probably get out, find something that hmm. Australia has a better advantage in than steel. Okay, great. Uh, I'm a hold actually, uh, simply because at the moment, obviously we've had the downturn in steel prices from China and there's a massive market over there. Um, but that's looking to recover as China is looking to stimulate their, or put a material stimulus into their obviously very dire property situation right now. So because we ship, because the company ships to 16 countries around the world, and a lot of that goes to China, there's a serious opportunity to buy in before the prices continue to go up and margins obviously yep. recover. Um, the company also has spent time recently reducing their debt, which is great um, because in a high interest rate environment, you want to see debt coming down. Um, a good cash balance of 703 million. So again, this is uh, good for the balance sheet. Um, they've also rene- uh, recently commenced the um, this metal coating of a contract they won in Western Sydney for $415 million for the Colour Bond steel range. So again, that's just that's revenue coming through the door. So yep. while they're experiencing a downturn in global markets, they've got enough sustainability in the Australian market. So I think it's a really good company um, and it's Australia's obviously largest steel manufacturer. So um, it's you. a hold for me, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, yep. Jethro, okay. Jethro wants a view. Uh, Grady on Platinum Asset Management. Uh, the old Care Nielsen started this as uh, yeah. one of our biggest fund managers. Yeah, we have a sell on Platinum at mm. the moment. Okay. Uh, fund managers naturally did it very tough last year, as we know. 
Um, and there's a lot of fund managers out there. So standing out amongst the crowd is a really important thing. Um, the one thing about the company is that obviously they've got a new CEO starting. They've got funds under management going out the door. So they've got fund outflow instead of inflow. And with a new um, CEO, we kind of expect a strategic review, um, a turnaround and a obviously start from the ground up for the CEO. So yeah, there's a lot of headwinds coming towards this company. Um, EPS is falling 35% growth over the last few years. So yeah. it is a bit of a tough time for this company, but with all of that in mind, a new exciting time with some new strategies and um, exposure to different markets will be a good turnaround for the company. And hopefully the CEO can deliver on that. But for now at this level, it's a sell. Okay. Gee, you really built the CEO up and, and then the hammer comes down. Now sell. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting time. New it is, CEO. Uh, looking forward to the turnaround, but no sell. Well, I'm actually really excited for him, but it's just not for me at this point. Uphill level. battle. That's a yeah. sort of Magellan like chart, exactly. isn't it, Howard? Yeah. And, uh, uh, what's your view on platinum? Detail uh, sell. I mean, it's, it's earnings per share worse than halved mm. over the last 10 years. Funds are flowing out. Now, we Platinum had an edge many years ago when I first thought about yeah. it and looked at Platinum. It had been listed for a while then, I don't know, 20 odd years ago or something. Um, when I first looked at it, its advantage was it looked at overseas markets and almost all our fund managers in Australia didn't. Yeah. And it was quite strong at looking, it had good research in Japan and Japan was doing quite well at the time. I was actually on the launch of Platinum Asset Management. And the question I put to Ken Nielsen was, how can you know more about overseas markets than locals can? Well, absolutely. He came came out of BT and he won't mind me saying this, quite quite a cocky uh, fund manager (laughs) back then, uh, um, but delivered. Yeah. Didn't I? In and those but early a perfect years. question. Yeah. How, how could they? But the advantage they had is if you wanted to invest overseas and you were an Australian, the easiest way was through platinum. Yeah. Now, these hundreds, hmm. uh, there are more fund managers than there are stocks on the Australian Stock Exchange. So, you know, it, it, we've got the absurdity at the moment that unless your fund can do the analysis much cheaper than anybody else, you have a problem. Now, our conscious investor fund has that advantage because all the info that comes out of our team invest meetings is used to make decisions in the conscious investor fund. So we don't have any cost of analyst. Conscious investor fund has zero cost of analyst. No other fund that I'm aware of has zero cost of analyst. So um, that gives us an advantage, but there may be other funds with other advantages, but unless a fund has a particular advantage, it's such a crowded field. Um, yeah. But definitely sell from Not me. Not for you. Um, Howard, Gemma wants to be on another fund, a yes. listed investment fund, Gerawa Investments. I think it's the first time it's ever come up um, here on the call. Um, uh, operating since 1989, listed in 95, so it's been around for a long term, um, but uses exchange traded options to enhance return. So it's a, a fund manager um, that uses all of the derivatives markets to get mm. their returns by the sound of it. Yeah, I, I don't know it well. Yeah. What I do know is looking at its uh, data, its earnings have been slightly worse than flat. They've shrunk at a tiny rate right. um, for 10 years. Now, um, <clears throat> it's, uh, return on equity is only about 5%. So you're not in the long term going to get more than 5% out of it if it isn't growing its earnings and the return on equity is 5%. Um, However, it pays out almost all its income as a dividend. Right. So it's on a PE ratio of about, hang on a sec, I'll just get a computer yeah. decided to be a bit annoying there for a moment, it's on a PE <laughs> of about 20, right. which means you're getting about a 5% earnings yield. That will be a fully frank dividend, including the franking credits, it's worth almost 7% a year. That's it. You're not right. going to get anything more from it. Right. Um, but we've got a bit of the capital growth there. Yeah, teeny well. bit of capital growth <laughs> you may get. Yeah, but if you look at it over summer. that whole period, uh, yeah. it hasn't got any. Um, so uh, it, it, it's sort of like a term deposit without being a term deposit. Right. Okay. 
So and you'd prefer a term to nah. bullseye? Well, yeah. I'd prefer to invest more intelligently right. than that. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Grady? I honestly couldn't find enough about this company. There's no brokers that rate it. There's no in-depth research. Everything Howard and you've said is correct. So I mm. would probably avoid it. Yep. It's, it's like, I don't, I do not know enough about the company, but okay. um, yeah, the, as Howard said, dividend, if you're looking for an income investing stock, this could be one to consider, but yeah, it's not on my radar right. at all. Okay. All right. Lucas wants to view uh, Grady on Somerset, operates retirement villages in New Zealand. I hadn't heard of this company, but mm. looking at it, there's not, again, there's not a lot of broker research into many of these companies today. So it was yeah. an exciting new slate to look at. And Somerset so is it, actually- So it's sort of a New Zealand version of- what of are, uh, lifestyle communities. Lifestyle communities, any of our retirement Those villages. Sort of yes. Yeah, yeah. And so they actually own and operate some, but they also sell them. So, ah. and for others to manage. So, I, re- I this company actually really excited me. Um, not sure what the share price is doing no. here on the chart, but no. it might be a liquid. I'm not sure. Right. Okay. Yep. It says, oh, I had shares are up 67% over the last five years and up 20% over the last year. So, okay. Been in a bit of a it run. could be a bit of a glitch in the- But the, I actually really like this company. We have an aging population. The demand for, I'm not sure if you've looked at retirement villages, but we've been looking for my grandparents and it is. Yeah, the wait list at, is so Thanks for looking long. at me like that, Grady. No, I said Terrific. I don't no, know. I, 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 I was she didn't look at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for your parents yeah, or yeah. friends, I don't young, know. Young, <laughs> now, we, we've decided that our investments have to do that well, that we can afford to have our carers live in our house Amazing. because we most definitely <laughs> don't want to go into one of those places. Oh, well, the wait list, if you were to ever look, is really long. Yeah. So it just goes to show there's a growing demand for this uh, this kind of service and company. Um, they had record sales in the first quarter of this year, 360 sales and four-year record sales of 1,100 in the 12 months to December. So that just goes to show that they're pumping these things out. They're really heavily present in uh, New Zealand, but they've just started presence in Australia, in Melbourne. Right. So they're oh. opening in Melbourne. And the thing that they have is a healthy cash flow and healthy net cash flow through the constant operations. So they don't just own the property, own the land and services. They have the constant um, revenue coming through of people living there and servicing the people who live there. So it's uh, they do have a high net debt though, of 1.27, I think it's mil- billion, yep. mil- billion maybe. Yep. Um, I could get the number wrong, but they do have a, a healthy gearing ratio, thirty-five percent. So, okay. th- I actually really like this company. So I'm, I'm putting a buy. Uh, buy yeah, buy. Okay. Howard? Yeah, I'm not as enthused. I mean, its return on equity is <laughs> for the last five years it's been well under ten percent. It's probably right. averaging about six or so right. uh, over the last five years. You can't make much money out of a company that can't make money out of its money. Yep. So. Uh, uh, that doesn't look very good. And in terms of the aged population, and I'm one of them. You know, I'm, I'm, oh, you're I'm, a young spring chicken. Thank you, Grady. You both spring chickens. You're so sweet. Get on with um, it, you too. But the, the, the point with it is that the problem you've got is Australia as a society doesn't really like the idea that aged care facilities provide fantastic uh, accommodation, etc., and charge a lot. We want people when they're old to be able to live wonderfully well for no money. Yeah. Now, if you're going to live wonderfully well with very little money, how on earth are the owners of these places going to make yeah. money? Now, New Zealand's a bit different. Um, it's a lot easier for them to make money in New Zealand than Australia. Oh, but the so problem is not as regulated. Not as regulated, right? Because governments here tell retirement villages and um, what they can uh, charge. Exactly. Yeah, and absolutely. how many staff they can absolutely. have and what they pay them, all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you can't have fantastic uh, services at low price. You can either have yeah. fantastic services and have higher prices, or you can have low price and not fantastic service. But governments don't want to accept that, and society as a whole doesn't want to. The problem that Somerset has is they can't grow much faster in New Zealand for the simple reason that New Zealand's a little place. You know, it doesn't have much population. So they have to grow somewhere else. The logical place is Australia. But imagine dealing with all of our states and our federal bodies and all the regulation. And every time there's something goes wrong in an aged care facility and some cabinet minister stands up and says, what are we going to do different? What a... 
I wouldn't want to invest in that. Yep. I wouldn't yep. put my own money in, yep. in a business like okay. that. All right. No from you. Uh, let's recap the uh, first five stocks. Stock of the day, Ampol, um, basically take profits. And um, how it would sell out of Ampol uh, because uh, according to its history, it's on a really high valuation at the moment. Um, Grady would certainly take profits as well. Uh, Reese, very similar um, uh, verdict there. Sell from both, uh, mirroring what uh, we had on the call yesterday with Reliance, uh, same sector, basically five year high, take some profits, um, take your money around. Blue Scope, sell from uh, Howard, a hold from Grady. Uh, platinum, a sell from um, from Grady. Howard just wouldn't be in it in the first place. Uh, Darrower, uh, neither of them are interested in it. Uh, really hard to get any information on it. Yes, a high dividend yield, but you can get equivalents elsewhere. Uh, Somerset, uh, a buy from Grady, a no from Howard. Uh, here on the call, we've been following our own uh, high conviction fantasy fund as picked by the investment committee. Uh, the December co- committee meeting didn't have one in January because of the holidays. Uh, you can catch the December one, osbiz.com. February meeting is coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, in December, the committee uh, bought into ResMed, Car Group and John's Link. This is uh, on the 1st of December, uh, they sold out of Wes Farmers, RPM Global and MA Financial took profits on that. Um, and the fund is up almost 18%. Uh, this half hour, taking a look at GUD Holdings, TPG Telecom, Seek, Pexa and Freightways. Um, Howard, Tony wants a view on GUD Holdings, sort of uh, big brands in the automotive aftermarket, Ryco, Westfield and the like. Yeah, and uh, it's it's been one of these companies that passes our filter some of the times and not other times. Right. So it's, it's on the margins of being a potential wealth winner. Um, it, it's got reasonably good return on equity, occasionally doesn't pass that filter, but eight of the 10 years it has passed. Uh, earnings are growing, but fairly slowly. In fact, right. earnings over 10 years have grown slower than the rate of inflation. Now, that's a big negative, obviously. Uh, not a lot of debt, medium amount, uh, it's not zero debt, about 64% debt to equity, but we can live with that. So really, every time our members look at it, as soon as they look at the growth rate, they say, yeah, but the growth rate's not even equal to inflation. You can't really do well if a company is growing faster, I mean slower, yeah. than the rate of inflation. And that's really its disadvantage. On a pretty uh, low PE, but it's because it, it's generally traded on PEs of between about <clears throat> 11 and 20. It's on about 16, so sort of middle of the range at the moment. Um, but uh, if you wanted it, you want to be probably buying it when it's in the 12s and 13s for its PE rather for than PE. the 16s. <clears throat> right, okay, so that'd be below 10 bucks. Yeah, sort of thing. probably a, under 10 bucks, it probably would look right. reasonably attractive. Okay, Grady? I looked at this company, and I think for the first time ever, I've gone complete opposite to Howard. <laughs> He's oh. very, well, not bullish, but you're, you seem okay, positive on the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I looked into it, and the company has decided to go very niche. So they've got rid of their water pump and um, facilitation a pressure system division, which right. was underperforming, which is actually a good thing to get rid of an underperforming division. Which is the Davy brand, isn't it? Yes. Yep. So they've recently div- divested that. Yep. But they make a lot of their money from the services of the internal combustion engines, so petrol engines. Right. We're phasing those out in a lot of countries. Australia is looking towards the EV movement. So this is a headwind moving forward. And 25% of their revenue comes from those engine-specific services and products that they have. Right. Also, um, the company also has um, minimal manufacturing capabilities. So they import a lot of their the input costs and the import materials from overseas. So that's a really easy to replicate business. So competitors can come in and do exactly the same thing and not have really, it doesn't really give GUD a competitive advantage. And so understanding all of that and then niche looking forward to just the automotive petrol engines kind of focus, uh, it's, it, they need to diversify into EV parts for me to consider it. Right, so, okay. yeah, it's a sell at this level. Sell for you. Yeah. Um, I was just fascinated last week, a big headline out of the US, 
was Hertz mm. selling 20,000 EV cars what? in their fleet because they were too expensive to run and not as reliable. Wow. Yep. Well, everyone gets on the EV bandwagon. Yeah. And here's one of the biggest fleet buyers mm. flogging them because they were too expensive to operate. 100%. And I was shocked. Yeah. And David, if you think about it logically, internal combustion engines have been developed, improved, uh, and all the mechanics in a car have had the finest little bits of tinkering going on for 100 plus years. Yeah. And even if you take a car, you know, the kind of car I first got in the late 1960s compared to a car today, it's chalk and cheese. I mean, the well, car the today... Morris. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But the, the cars today are just, even excluding the electronics, are right. just so much better engineered. Now, that hasn't yet happened in EVs, yeah. so yeah. it's hardly surprising that they're going to be less reliable. But it's I'm, going to take years before they're at the I same level. I sucked into the whole, yes, they have less parts, all that sort of stuff. They're good for the environment. And when I saw this, I just made me start rethinking about EVs. But anyhow, to yeah, your point. I think a lot, of, like a lot of my friends jumped straight into the EV bandwagon and I kind of sat back and thought, you never want to be the first to have a Have model. they had a good experience? Some have, some haven't. Right. So some of the testers have been very, I shouldn't say the brand name, but faulty. Um, yeah. But I just want to know, because like, I, I would never ever want to be the first to have a new car. Yeah. Like I was nearly get one of the first to get one of the VW new cars and I was like, mm, no, right. sure enough. Because you, yeah, okay. you risk a recall yeah, yeah. because it's brand new around the world. You don't know. There's yeah. not enough history yeah. of the car. It's a good point from Howard. Yep, yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, uh, Grady, Nick wants a view on TPG, our mm. second largest yep. telecommunications company. Uh, of course, um, the Vodafone merger as well at yes. the time. Um, I have a hold on this company. So TPG is a really good company. Um, they There's... They're kind of price winners. So they dictate the price, Telstra, Telstra as well, yeah. so major providers in Australia. TPG is good because they we expect that they'll keep on raising prices, so naturally margins will can continue to grow for this company. Um, they have a really attractive dividend yield as well. Um, we're expecting a very good uh, result coming in February. So again, the you can't really go wrong with having a mobile phone service provider like in this sector. Obviously, Telstra dominates the uh, agricultural area, so the rural area, because their coverage is so good. But TPG is just one that is just so resilient with a strong market share. But the one thing I'm keeping on my radar this year is that there is talks of Vodafone, which owns 50.1% of TPG. Um, the, it, there's talks they're considering selling down their owning their ownership in Ooh. TPG. Okay. So that will be um, really interesting to watch if it comes mm. through this year. Um, and I think I'm not sure why, but it's the first got sell a lot down. of debt. It would be the first sell down since 2020 when they merged. Vodafone's so, got lots of debt. Yeah, well there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the, the problem problem with telcos is it's an awful business to be in because every year everybody wants more data, they consume more, but prices go down. Hmm. So effectively. Phones have got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper if you take yep. inflation into account. At the same time, phone usage, I mean, not the actual handset. Phone usage has got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and they, the companies that provide it have to provide you more for less money. Right. So it's a treadmill that they're on all the time that they've constantly got to be upgrading their networks to try and stay ahead of this. Now, when David Teo ran this company, because he's such an incredibly good businessman, yeah. um, this company was running at margins of 17 and 20% net profit margins. They're now down to under 10. So um, with all this sort of thing, I wouldn't want to be in that part of the industry at all. You want to be right. in the sort of thing where um, you... Warren Buffett has this lovely expression, you want to be able to put your prices up without having to hold a prayer meeting first. Right. And this is the kind of industry where you have to have a prayer meeting right. every time you want to put your prices up. So you're not attracted to Telstra no. as an alternative? No. We have a hold on Telstra. As well? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, our next stock is uh, Seek, the big online 
uh, employment platform. Of course, uh, 11.30 this morning, uh, unemployment figures came out uh, steady at 3.9%, but whereas the market was expecting 15,000 new jobs to be created in December, um, 68,000 were lost. So I thought that was a, an interesting detail mm-hmm. um, underneath the unemployment figures. Um, does this bode well for SEEK, you reckon, Hal? Um, possibly not, but you know, SEEK has become a very difficult business to understand because they have interests in mm-hmm. so many other companies now that yep. they've really become mm-hmm. a part holding company or investment company in lots of other companies. Okay, so not, not just in the employment sector though, because they've They've launched Seek into China, mm-hmm. South America. That too. So it but sticks to their knitting in that regard, but you're saying they're a different. Yeah, the other things businesses. that they think will have some relationship to what they do, and they're bright people, so very right. likely it will. But it makes it very difficult to really understand. So you look at its figures, you know, it had return on equity of more than 10%, our minimum hurdle, yeah. for about five years in a row. Then it had a year of 2.3, 8.5 and 9.4. Then it was back up again to 38. Right. It's very hard to decide what's this company going to do in the future, so results-wise. That venture capital component mm. takes away the reliability mm. is mm. what you're saying. Mm. Mm. Right. Okay. And the problem with that is, you know, as an investor, you want virtual certainty that earnings per share are going to be materially higher in five and 10 years' time. That's how you're going to make money out of it as a wealth winner. And I can't really say with any certainty what this is going to be. So for us, it's in the too hard basket. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not a bad business. No, but it's just no, the too hard and basket. really well run, great executive yeah. team, yeah. founders are great. But you're saying they're muddying the waters. They're, they're well, getting away from their core strength by trying these Maybe not. Other I mean, different they areas. probably understand thoroughly what they're doing. I'm not casting aspersions on it saying they don't know what they're doing. I'm saying I, as an investor, can't make a reasonable judgment on this company. Charlie Munger says for every company that they put in either a yes basket or a no basket, or used to say, not around anymore, yeah. uh, <laughs> there would be three that they'd put in the too hard basket. Right. And that's the case with this. You know, I can't look at it and say with any certainty whether I think it's going to do well or badly. Mm. So I'd rather forget about it and focus on the companies I understand better. Right. Okay. I have a sell on it because of similar reasons. Um, Naturally, the company has been on a run over the last few years, 42% up over the last five years. We have seen a decline in their um, ads growth sector, so the earnings from the the job ads, which is their core part of their business. Um, Unemployment, obviously, is a key driver of this kind of, of, for this company, so that definitely weighs into their operations. Um, They do have... They're investing in AI, which is really smart because companies in this current environment who aren't investing in AI, we are seeing they're falling behind. The AI is really interesting. They're moving towards a talent match with employers kind of situation um, where they it, they improve the outcome. So mm. I sign up and say, mm. I want to work in this, and then they'll, they'll match me based on AI. So mm. it's, it's a that smart move. Yeah, yeah, it sounds really good. And it definitely eases the employment process for a lot of different companies. I know there are quite a few companies <coughs> saturated in this niche market that specifically work in this. So whether they're working alongside someone or not, I'm not sure. Um, but again, at the same time, um, they at the AGM, the guidance was reaffirmed and we're expecting ongoing labour market tightness and wages growth. So that right. doesn't bode well for a company like this. So, so uh, okay, but if 68,000 jobs, were, jobs lost, were lost, yes, that means labour market's loosening. It's loosening. So is that good for SEEK or not? It's probably not because if companies aren't affording or if they're losing jobs, and wages are still growing and costs right. are still high, okay. then it probably doesn't, but it depends on the reason for the jobs lost, I guess. Yep. So yep. whether it's cost management, it could be, that could be a bad thing, but if it's just that they're not the right skill set or the talent, yep. then that could be a good thing. Okay. So it just, right. And yeah. remember the survey out of which the jobs lost or gained is based, is relatively limited. So you've really mm. got to look at a trend over a number of months. Sure. One month's figures often give you a, a, a wrong But there's a bit of work. The trend has been weakening yes. because Absolutely. the economy's slowing. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So, job so losses. I'm not arguing the trend. I'm just saying yeah. I wouldn't focus too much on the yeah. exact number of 68,000. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you would say it's a bad number, but is it exactly 68,000? 
Okay. Yeah. Good company, though. Founded by the Bassett brothers. Yep. If you're an AFL follower, uh, <laughs> Andrew Bassett on the uh, uh, on the AFL, uh, Paul Bassett on the AFL Commission, um, and Andrew Bassett, President of St Kilda. Um, so for right. the second one, you could have said something not so nice, but for the first <laughs> one, you've got to keep quiet. Oh, no, they're both terrific bikes, very bright, <laughs> very good at their job, um, and their contribution to AFL as well. All right, uh, Arjun, um, Grady wants a view on PEXA, yeah. which is the digital conveyancing platform um, here in Australia. It was yeah. um, spun out of... Link administration, was it? Was it spun out of I don't know, but I don't actually know enough about this company, yeah, to be yeah. honest with you. Oh, no. It's a- yeah, I know a few brokers are mixed on it. Um, Ords have a buy. Uh, they think it's material underval- materially undervalued. Um, for me, I actually would probably avoid this company simply because I don't know enough about it. There's right. not, I don't invest in things that are that I don't know enough about. Um, Bell's actually ceased coverage of this company in 2022, I think just due to resources, so no, for not for any reason. So I'm not putting that out there, but um, their expansion into the UK and into top, two, top, two of the top 10 banks um, have committed to going live with PEXA. So yeah. these expansions are good at a time like this. Um, obviously the chair chart isn't very pretty, but yeah, I don't know enough about it to give a okay. informed opinion. Uh, Howard, oh, too new, too new, too new, new view. But this time uh, last year, uh, or it was floated um, what two and a half years ago out of Link Administration, which I thought, which a lot of people at the time thought Pexa was the crown jewel in Link, and yeah. Link kept thirty eight percent bigger shareholder. Yeah, problem with this company is it's actually lost money that's last year in twenty twenty three, and. Um, it sounds like a great idea, and digital yep. um, conveyancing sounds Make terrific. Make conve- conveyancing easier. It's Absolutely. a bugbear of every property Absolutely. investor. However, that doesn't make a business profitable. Good management makes a business profitable. Right. Uh, just because you play AFL doesn't mean you win. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, the same sort of thing. So I look at this and I say, so far management hasn't shown an ability to drive profits. In their first year, their return on equity was 3.1%, which is miserable. In the second year, it was a negative quantity. Right. So where is any sign that this business is going to be well enough run that it actually makes a profit? Yep. There isn't any in the two years I can see. So our members of Team Invest would take one glance at this and say, let's have another look in five years' time and see if the management's actually okay. proven itself. Mm-hmm. Could you say that? about all tech businesses. No, I don't. That, that, uh, I know technology one has been one of your wealth I, I, winners, I, which is the, the other end, is it? That's yeah, what you should be looking management for. management all yeah. the way through. I mean, Adrian DeMarco, who, who ran it for many years, now retired yeah. from it, but ran it for many years, was a superb businessman who was very, very focused on building that company and making profits. And to the group they got in charge now, uh, exactly the same thing applies. Right. So. What a company does is important, but who runs it's much more important. Right. Um, you know, you can have a, a, a great theoretical business, but if it's run by people who don't know how to make a profit, uh, it won't make a profit. Yeah. And if and if it's not a particularly good business, well, if they're really good businessmen mm. in charge, they may make a profit. Mm. But the key is management, uh, the board and the management. And this one's unproven, yeah. and its results yeah. so far look. Most unimpressive. I've, I've learned that the hard way. Um, investing in startups, yeah. seed capital, and things like that. Absolutely, it's not, it's not the idea. No, it's the founder executing, yeah. <laughs> which which determines whether it's going to be a winner or not. It and truly I, is. I've learned the hard way. <laughs> startups usually have a terrific idea. Yeah, I like yeah, the absolutely. idea, and you think, wow, that should do well. Yep. But if they've got somebody running it who's incapable of making a profit, most people are, by the way, incapable mm. of making a profit. Uh, if they're in charge of it, it's never going to be a success. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's a hard one. Yep. But management is key. Yep. All right, our uh, final stock to take a look at today, and um, uh, Damien wants a view on Freightways, um, a New Zealand listed company. We've had over the last couple of days on the call whether we've got an influx of Kiwi migrants, uh, or we've got a lot of Kiwis tuning in online. Uh, yesterday we had Chorus, um, the day before we had Infratil, 
So uh, today, another one with uh, with Freightways, big New Zealand company um, in the package um, and courier business. Howard, how does yeah. Freightways stack up under it, the filters? It, if I look at the New Zealand rather than the Australian stock exchange, and it's been listed a longer time. So I've got 10 years worth of history there, and its return on equity has been somewhere between mid-teens and over 20, which wow. is excellent, Gee, that's right, right through the 10 years. For a freight company too. Very much so. The only disadvantage has been slowly going down. So it was 21, 24, 25, 24, and now it's 15. Right. Now, what that probably tells me is they reached the point in New Zealand that the market's largely saturated, right. hence the enthusiasm for Australia. Right. That's why they've come here. And as you mentioned earlier, David, and it's less of a problem with Australia and New Zealand, um, how can you know another country better than the people already in that other country? Yep. So yep. how well are they going to do against the local people who've been here for ages, the tolls and the various other people like that? Yep. That's the question. But, you know, their earnings in New Zealand have grown. But again, over the last few years, only at about the rate of inflation, which also suggests that market was reasonably saturated. Got a bit more debt than we would like, so it wouldn't pass our filters. Right. So from a debt filter point of view, it'd be a no from Team Invest. But the return on equity looks good. The growth rate's poor. Mm. And it's moved into another market. Who knows how well it's going to do in Australia. So no from us. But it doesn't look bad. But it looks all right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, great company. If you want to get it on the New Zealand Stock Exchange, you probably cannot get in for the life of you in Australia. It's not right. traded. It's right. so illiquid. I don't think it's traded in the last, I want to say, month or so. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, very tightly held, very, very illiquid. So what, why would they list on the Australian market if that was no the case? idea sort of more access to capital or they're going to expand potentially yeah maybe. well they're expanding yeah, as how probably it's said, so. uh, uh, let, let's have a look if they've done much in the way of capital uh, raisings no um, haven't raised any capital yeah, in the so, last 10 years so probably not for capital raising right. yeah okay. but they're probably asking to be delisted in australia right. so oh, they're okay. probably a candidate for that so All if right. you want to get in new zealand absolutely huge market cap it's traded 1.5 billion dollar market cap great company as Howard said, good operations, good um, market pr- market presence and okay. share. But in Australia, you can't get any of it, even if you want to. Uh, but it, it's pretty easy to buy New Zealand shares. Very, yeah, 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 it trades, it trades every day. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Let's recap the uh, the final five stocks. Uh, GUD, uh, a sell. Uh, Howard has no interest unless share price would get to, say, $10 or under. Uh, TPG, a no from Howard, a hold from Grady. Um, Seek a no from Howard, Howard, a sell from Grady. Uh, Pixar, a no from both. And Freightways, a no from both as well. Grady Wolf from Bell, always good to see you. Thank great to see you as well. Thanks and for having me. Howard Coleman from yeah, Good as always. Good to have you on board. Uh, great show. Lots of terrific information. If you've got any stocks that you'd like us to cover here on the call, um, just go to osbiz.co slash callpicks um, or tweet us on X using the at TV handle. And look, add any comments or specific questions on the stocks that you might have because um, the panel always loves that. Gives us an ability to focus in on what you really want to know about the company. So uh, always feel free to do that. Uh, That's it from us. Uh, Back with the call same time tomorrow. See you then. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.